Welcome home. This is Audio XP for the 16th of November 2019, and the title of this episode is Murderous Aliens Invade D&D and the Genre Police. What's killed you the most? Oh, I, I don't mean which type of monster is responsible for most of your character's death. I mean which genre is. Perhaps you've only played fantasy games, and therefore the fantasy genre is responsible for 100% of your death. But if you've experienced more than one genre as a gamer, which do you find the most dangerous? That's the question I put to Geek Native readers after disqualifying the horror genre, because it's in a league of its own. There were seven genres to pick from, and I've reopened the poll on the site, and so there's two things you can do. You can go answer the poll after this podcast, or you can try and guess the answer that most people are giving. There were seven genres to pick from. Sci-fi, fantasy, western, steampunk, crime, historical, and political. Yep, that's right. I will tell you the current leader at the end of this highlight show. First, though, let's get on with the news. This week, I reviewed Blades and Blasters by Seth Tomlinson. It's a genre mashup for the 5th edition sourcebook. Blades and Blasters adds invading aliens, complete with spaceships and lasers, to your traditional fantasy Dungeons and Dragons. Is that something you've ever thought about? I must admit, I have. I've even tried it. But when I did, I was playing on an internet forum in a play-by-post setup without much need for rules. The game was short-lived, as is often the case, but the silver gods falling from the sky certainly made for a memorable scenario. The aliens, those silver gods, had strange weapons, but we had magic. I would not have even attempted the game if I had to be the one to agree on balanced 5th edition rules beforehand. That feels overwhelmingly complex to me. However, that's exactly what Blades and Blaster seems to do. The book adds aliens and their technology and does not seem to mess up the mechanics. The trick seems to be with batteries. <laughs> that feels true for real life technology too, but in the case of Blades and Blasters, there are rules for power cells. Simply put, the better and more dangerous the technology, the better the power cell needs to be. The rarer it becomes and the harder it is to recharge. Blades and Blasters also contains a fully designed and very dangerous alien empire the rulers of which have used their own psionic powers to conquer all the planets they have found so far and either completely destroy their rivals or co-opt them into their growing armies. While I liked Blades and Blasters, I think you should think twice and then one more time before adding it to your current D&D game. It's a development that will change your world forever and not every player will appreciate it. Aliens don't fit the established but often unspoken rules of the fantasy genre. This week, I also reviewed my copy of Free League Publishing's Alien RPG. I experimented and did it a bit differently. The problem I made for myself was that I'd already reviewed the cinematic preview rules given out to people who had pre-ordered the book. While the full set of rules adds the important campaign mode, they don't really change the mechanics of the game, or the atmosphere, or the production values. So, I did a video review. In other words, I flipped through the quality pages on video with a heads-down camera rig and dubbed on an audio track. If you're familiar with Free League, the people who've given us Tales from the Loop, Mutant Year Zero and Forbidden Lands, to name but a few, you won't be surprised to discover that the Aliens RPG is just as good. It's also worth mentioning 
that writer Graham Gibson reviewed the alien-centric second volume of the Destiny Grimoire anthology series. This book focuses on the Fallen. They are an alien race who once worshipped the Traveller, but who were abandoned by it. The once proud aliens have fallen into the roles of galactic pirates and raiders, hence the name, and now they're the enemies of humanity. It does make you wonder about the Traveller, doesn't it? Destiny 2 looks like it might be the only thing that works for Google Stadia when the streaming service launches this month. I've pre-ordered that too, and so it's entirely possible you'll be hearing about my experiments with Stadia here on Audio XP in the future. If you feel like experimenting with traditional tabletop RPGs when it comes to genres, then there's a popular column on Geek Native that you might want to know about. It's called Genre Police. Written by Ben Jackson Ellery, Genre Police takes one genre at a time and studies it with running games in mind. It's been going for two years, with two articles a month, and so we're fast approaching article number 50. Genre Police 48 has just been posted on Geek Native, and it's a look at B-movies. Are B-movies even a genre? Well, Ben sets out his logic and dips into the history of them. It seems obvious now, but I hadn't even considered the origins of B-movies. They were initially a whole free movie that came with your cinema ticket. They were a freebie, and so they could explore other genres, like fantasy, sci-fi or superheroes, that mainstream movies at the time wouldn't touch. So in terms of adding B-movie elements into your RPG, one of the many tips Ben gives us is called Triumph of the Working Man, and it reminds us that this form of movie was for working-class cinema. Everyday people are heroes, and so in your RPG, make sure that ordinary people that the characters meet are useful. Equally, perhaps big organisations are less than helpful or even ill-equipped to to be dealing with the unfolding drama. In the previous genre police, that's number 47, that was all about conspiracy theories. Ben suggests RPGs like GURPS, Illuminati, Over the Edge and Delta Green are games to try if you want to go deep into that genre. At this point, let's take a break from talking about aliens and genres. Let's talk about the RPG publisher spotlight. The studio that Geek Nata's patron supporters picked for this month are Dias X Machina Games. Thanks to patrons, this month's spotlight has a dramatic story about the origins of the open gaming license for D&D 5e. Chris Dias, the creator behind Dias X Machina, wrote a role-playing game called Amethyst that used Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 licensing. It's a game set in our world, except where creatures like orcs, fairies and elves have emerged. Ah, look, another genre mashup. Amethyst did well. When D&D 4E came out, Dias updated the game for those rules and used the open game license that Wizards of the Coast operated for that version of D&D. As you may know, D&D 4 was not as successful as D&D 5 has become. Chris ended up writing an open letter to plead with Wizards of the Coast that everyone would benefit if the parent company only offered better support for little indie studios like DiaXX Machina Games. The letter went viral. Then, years later, when D&D 5e was launched, Chris Dias was very quick to launch a Kickstarter for Amethyst 5e. What's the problem with that? Well, at the time, there was no 5th edition open gaming license. There was no official way for him to publish Amethyst using 5e rules without getting into a legal fight with Wizards of the Coast. It meant one of two things. 
that he was taking a significant risk and hoping that Wizards of the Coast wouldn't care, or that he knew something about Wizards of the Coast's plans for D&D 5e that no one else did. And it was the latter that was true. A senior person in the D&D team told Chris that the OGL for 5e was coming. You can imagine all the pressure that Chris Deas came under to spill the beans and reveal what he knew about D&D. In the end, he did just that. Off the record, he confided in somebody who happened to run a significant RPG news site. The way Chris sees it, that confidence was betrayed as a few days later, the very same news was exposed on the very same website and the secret about Wizards of the Coast plans for 5e OGL came out. What a story. It was years later that Wizards of the Coast officially finished rolling out the OGL and working with one bookshelf to set up the DMs Guild. Right now, Dice X Machina Games are working on a marathon Kickstarter project. It's one of those deliveries that go on and on, and it's for Ultra Modern 5. The Ultra Modern series is very popular at DriveThruRPG, and so no wonder he's working as hard as he can on it. As usual, if you've got the time, please do check out the monthly RPG Publisher Spotlight winner. These indie studios don't tend to get any press coverage when they release new games, not in the way that the bigger publishers do. Having said that, it's not always plain sailing for the large studios either. This week, Privateer's Press had to explain why some of their customers had faced delays in getting their products. The problem is twofold. Firstly, Privateer Press moved workshops, and this meant that they were offline for a while and not able to make any of their products. They're still catching up. Secondly, the whole system of game studios shipping to middlemen distributors who then have to try and estimate demand from the shops and then sell to the shops seem to be under stress. There's just so many new gaming goodies out each month, it's hard for the system to cope. And at the same time, shops are suffering from people buying straight from the publishers. It feels like a story that might rear its head in 2020. 2020, of course, is just a few weeks away. Further down the line, and we're talking 2022 or later, there will be a new Warhammer coming. Yeah, this week Games Workshop announced Warhammer The Old World. This is a game that's set in the old Warhammer world before the Age of Sigmar and before the Champion of Chaos destroyed everything. It's nostalgia. But also I hope, I hope it's a move to meet genuine demand from Warhammer players. There's just one more bit of breaking news that I want to add into this summary before we go back to dangerous genres. Late last night, or early Saturday morning, Wizards of the Coast had to email some customers about a potential cybersecurity risk. An old legacy database had been exposed to the public. It's time to change passwords. Some Arena and some Magic Online accounts are known to be affected. However, Wizards' email also mentions DCI. And if you use the old D&D character software, you may have had a DCI account. It's embarrassing for Wizards of the Coast, but they seem to be moving quickly and taking no risks. Wizards have also been supporting the Extra Life charity this week, and they've published Infernal Machine Rebuild. That's a 100-page adventure, of which 70% of profits will be donated to Extra Life. Oh, and the most dangerous, dangerous genre? That's sci-fi. At the time of recording, one in every two votes has gone to naming sci-fi, as the most likely type of game where your characters can run into real and deadly danger. What do you think? Does that make sense to you? Well, that's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch up next week.